the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Thank you, and a pleasant, pleasant good afternoon to you. Welcome to the Thursday, September 21st edition of Lifeline for this 2017, in case you weren't keeping track. We are here Monday through Friday from 5 until 7 p.m. addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. All right, pretty jam-packed program for you today. A little later on, we're going to talk about one brave woman's battle to not only survive cancer, but then to provide solutions for cancer patients struggling with one of the most difficult and challenging aspects of the disease. We'll get a chance to tell you more about Sherry Higgs coming up a little bit later on in tonight's program. Well, in addition to adding the Florida Keys, Houston, Puerto Rico, certainly Mexico to uh, all of our collective prayer list, at least there's a bit of encouraging news tonight as Mexico City is now reporting that all of the children from an elementary school that had collapsed in this week's powerful earthquake have now been accounted for. Rescuers believe there was still at least one child trapped under the rubble following the 7.1 magnitude earthquake. However, officials say that all the children have now been rescued or their bodies have been found. There are still indications there may be someone alive in the rubble. Officials say they rescued 11 children, recovered the bodies of 19 minors and 6 adults from the school. So far, the devastating earthquake has claimed over 270 lives. In other news, well, certainly we're seeing a lot of interest by Hollywood in Russia these days. In fact, I don't think we've seen Hollywood so in a tither over concerns about Russia since the Hollywood blacklists of the 1950s. Mark Zuckerberg now joining the latest fray, saying that Facebook is working with the U.S. government to investigate the role the Russians and placement of ads for the 2016 election may have had in that campaign. There will always be bad actors in the world, and we can't prevent all governments from all interference. But we can make it harder. We can make it much harder. And that's what we're going to focus on doing. We will continue working with the government to understand the full extent of Russian interference, and we will do our part, not only to ensure the integrity of free and fair elections around the world, but also to give everyone a voice and to be a force for good in democracy everywhere. I don't want anyone to use our tools to undermine democracy. That's not what we stand for. The integrity of our elections is fundamental to democracy around the world. Amazing, though, that uh, none of the more than 3,000 ads placed by Russian operatives ever came to their attention prior to the allegations of Russians meddling, at least insofar as assisting WikiLeaks in delivering all of the content of John Podesta's emails and revealing what was really going on behind the scenes at the DNC. Also, I didn't notice that there was going to be any comment about returning any of the profits that they received off those ads. Oh, well, clearly must be an oversight on somebody's part. All right, speaking of nefarious activities, the president now imposing new economic sanctions on North Korea. Terry Moore has all the details. The U.S. is targeting individuals and financial institutions that support North Korea. Our new executive order will cut off sources of revenue that fund North Korea's efforts to develop the deadliest weapons known to humankind. President Trump said the focus of the latest sanctions will be on inhibiting trade with North Korea. And it is unacceptable that others financially support this criminal rogue regime. Trump argued that North Korea has been allowed to abuse the international financial system to help fund its nuclear weapons program. I'm Terry Moore, NBC News Radio. 
With more, we're joined from Phoenix by Arizona Congressman Trent Franks. Congressman Franks, thanks so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to be with us this evening. Uh, First, in terms of the president's address, not just at the U.N., but his remarks we just heard a moment ago there, what do you make of the ongoing saber-rattling and and behavior of North Korea, and specifically Kim Jong-un? They're wanting to extort the United States, and unfortunately, that continues to buy them time, and their threat becomes more and more real. Uh, President Trump, as I mentioned, uh, gave perhaps one of the most firmest addresses on the topic by any president in recent history, to be sure, at the U.N. this week. How do you think that Trump ultimately has handled the situation so far? Some have accused him of being uh, not aggressive enough. Others saying that, well, he's just returning one brand of rhetoric for another. What are your thoughts in terms of the president's handling to this point? He's doing a lot of things right. He may not speak diplomat, but right now maybe this uh, most diplomatic thing that we can say would be to make it clear to them that they must not attack us. Now, the president, of course, calling for more sanctions. We have talked on this program in the past about this issue of sanctions and whether or not they're really all of that effective, particularly since there have been a number of countries that have, well, quite frankly, just ignored the sanctions altogether. If they really haven't worked in the past, how do we know that this new level of sanctions will work in the future? If we maintain those sanctions to where we literally are able to make it to where the regime can't continue, then we have a hope of dismantling this nuclear capability. All right, then here's the question. Let's talk about those that have worked around this. Should the U.S. draw the line in a more firmer fashion with some of the traditional allies of North Korea, namely their Russian uh, supporters, which, as we know, up until the collapse of the Soviet Union, Russia was basically propping up the Hermit Kingdom, and then two of China? We should tell the world that they now have a choice, and that means that at least on the economic front, that the world can trade with North Korea or it can trade with the United States, but it cannot do both, and that includes China and Russia. Finally, there have been reports that the Bank of China is now stating that it will cease doing business with North Korea. Should we believe that? Is that, is that good news? I think that's one of the best uh, pieces of news that uh, we've heard since the threat began. And if the nation of China truly wants to, they can join the world and we can isolate Kim Jong-un so that he cannot be the threat that he intends to be. Congressman, I thank you so much for your time today. There is um, Congressman Ter- Trent, sorry, Franks, Congressman Trent Franks from Arizona with uh, some further insight on the new level of sanctions being called for now by the president in response to the continued nuclear weapons testing by North Korea. A bit closer to home, you've seen the controversy back east over so-called controversial statues. Well, now it's coming a bit closer to the Bay Area. Pushes on to apparently remove a statue dedicated to explorer Christopher Columbus from San Jose City Hall. A number of people say the sculpture is offensive, citing that it, quote, represents violence and genocide. Traveling and discovering them, okay, all right. A plaque states that Columbus discovered America, makes no mention of anything else, though it appears the statue will be simply just relocated. Right now it's currently in the rotunda. The city council is going to be discussing the matter further in November. The car figure was donated by the Italian community to the city in the 1950s. And I guess if we let this go, we can eventually get to the point where people say, you know, crosses on churches, well, that, that's offensive. Look what happened during the Crusades, and, and we need to be uh, aware of that. And, and uh, do we, we take down um, any representation of Islamic symbols from mosques because that represents violence? Where do we draw the line in all of this? And can't we better put use of these public displays by using them as public lessons as opposed to just public paranoia? 5.15 from KFAX. Get a look at traffic for you right now. We kick off this Thursday ride home with Michael Bennett. He's got a look at uh, what's going on on the road ahead from the KFAX Traffic Center. Hey, Michael, what's up? 
And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, we're back to the conversation 20 minutes after the hour of five as we uh, continue progressing through this Thursday edition of Lifeline. I have shared the story with uh, long-term listeners uh, more than one occasion. In fact, a few of you might say, yes, ad nauseum, Craig. <laughs> but the, uh, the challenges that uh, my family has faced in dealing with cancer, first a diagnosis of my um, godmother of cancer in the 1970s, and then about 16, maybe 17 years, 16 years ago, my mother was diagnosed with ovarian cancer. She struggled and uh, fought the good fight for almost 14 years. And I watched her during that time going back and forth from appointments to doctors and chemotherapy treatments and sometimes the challenges in trying to juggle the responsibilities of getting all of that done. My stepfather at the time was in his mid-80s and not in very good health, and so um, being able to rely on him for transport sometimes was was challenging because he had his own health problems. And then suddenly you're on the phone in the middle of the day, dialing frantically, trying to find somebody that you know that doesn't have other obligations or that maybe can take time off of work because you've taken so many days off of work, the boss is looking at you funny, and you're thinking, well, I guess we can put mom in a taxi cab, but do we really want to do that? And then sometimes the comfort of a known face that's there to pick you up at your home, take you to the car, walk you into your appointment, sometimes even stay with you and then get you back home and get you settled and make sure you're going to be okay on the backside of an experience that, as my mother used to say, if I don't die from the cancer, I will surely die from the treatments. And those of you listening who have any familiarity with the impact of chemotherapy know that it can run the gambit of miserable to worse than miserable. So what do you do? And in particularly uh, a, a day and an age when transportation is um, Important and yet not all that easy, as I suggested a moment ago, when you have to get to the appointment and you have no one to call, what are your options? Well, Sherry Higgs has stepped up to the plate. She has created an organization called Drivers for Survivors. And Jerry, uh, Sherry, great to have you in studio again. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. You actually left a Fortune 500 company to begin this nonprofit organization. Clearly, you're very passionate about this. This is literally a from-the-ground-up, grassroots effort of yours. Give us a bit of an understanding in terms of where does that passion come from? How did this topic in particular and the recognition of the importance of providing rides for cancer patients getting to and from their radiation treatments, doctor's appointments, chemotherapy appointments, how did this first come onto your own personal radar? Well, in all fairness, I was on hiatus before uh, I started Drivers for Survivors. And during that time, uh, from the company that you're referring to, uh, during that time I was diagnosed with something called inflammatory breast cancer. It was uh, shocking. And it went from going to one doctor to I had a whole stack of business cards. I had a team of doctors, Mm -hmm. essentially. So... um, Going through that experience and being exposed to this entirely new world was incredibly daunting at 43. And watching, kind of, I'm the type of person, I'm in it, but I'm observing at the same time. And I made a lot of um, observations in terms of the people around me. I saw a lot of people who seemed to be alone. And, um, you know... It was very tough. You, you spoke earlier about getting all those rides and, and, and having to tap the people that you care about to help you. And sometimes that was a challenge and can be a challenge even for families because of having to have those responsibilities, needing to take care of being the breadwinner. It, it can be um, one of the most time-consuming um, things to have happen to you because essentially you're, you're living at the doctor's office during that time. I was in treatment for a year. Uh, six months of that was a lot more intense than the second second half. And um, radiation, for one, is an everyday ride. You know, you're, you're going back and forth every single day. And then there's any blood work you need to have done. There's your checkups. 
there's the, the doctor appointments you have in between. There's pharmacy, you know, picking up a, a medicine that maybe you don't even anticipate you're going to need, so you're going to have to possibly do that. There's uh, surgeries. Um, there's uh, chemotherapy itself for, for the folks that undergo that. And in some instances, you're not allowed to drive if you're under a very, very strong chemo. And, you know, the other thing that uh, can't be disregarded is the fact, what is your current health prior to getting a diagnosis? So you might already be a person who's, um, you know, uh, in a delicate way. Maybe you're a senior and, and you've, you've got some health struggles and then you get something like cancer. So obviously, uh, depending on what your health history is, that can really um, play into to how well you can handle going through cancer. And people should know, it, it as you suggest, Sherry, yeah. radically changes every aspect of your yeah. life. It's my, not own, a, yeah. my own cancer diagnosis two years ago, um, I suddenly found myself planning my life around doctor's appointments. Yes. Um, I have doctors who do things and have specialists in areas of medicine that I can't even pronounce. <laughs> and you, you suddenly begin to realize not only are you overwhelmed by keeping up with all of the appointments and whatnot, but then you're trying to fight the good fight. The impact of the chemotherapy, while, yes, it's working on or the radiation is working on killing the bad cells, uh, it's also not very discriminatory in terms of the impact that it has on the good cells. Precisely. And so you come home at the end of a chemotherapy treatment and you are absolutely drained. And so then to have to worry about, okay, how am I getting to the oncology appointment tomorrow? That's right. How am I getting to the chemotherapy appointment on Thursday? Then my, my GP wants to see me next Tuesday for some tests. How am I going to work all of this out? And, you know, relying upon the same goodly neighbor or having somebody in the family taking time off of school or off of work, after a while, they begin to find how unmanageable all of this is just because of the sheer amount of time that it takes. It's a really, really tough situation to, to be in. And uh, they say that when a person's diagnosed with cancer, so is everyone they know. You mm. know, it really isn't a singular type of disease. It's very high impacting for certain. And we hear all kinds of reasons why people utilize our service. You know, there's a lot of stories and a lot of things even I wouldn't have thought of building this that people would be needing us for. So it's definitely, um, it affects everyone, this every walk of the, life, every situation. This became a challenge then for you in your own cancer diagnosis. You know, in some, yes, in some ways, most certainly. I mean, there was, uh, I needed to get some rides covered. I couldn't find what I was looking for. I had to go over the bridge. And so I had my radiation was in Palo Alto and I was living in Fremont. So that's county to county. And that brought in a whole uh, other set of, of circumstances for me. You know, your immunity is compromised. So taking public transportation, in my case, um, especially when I was undergoing chemo, because with the type of chemo I had, it was one step from a type you'd have in the hospital. So chemos can vary. You know, some people say, oh, I could drive on my chemo. Not everyone can. You know, it depends on the medicine, too, that they might be taking. There's a lot of different circumstances that can play in. And in, in my case, you know, the situation was pretty severe. So uh, I did happen to tap a lot of people. And there were a couple of times I was very nervous about what was going to happen with that appointment because I couldn't get the coverage that I needed. And a so taxi driver was, or an Uber driver may not necessarily fully appreciate the nausea that you're dealing with and asking them to re pull over to the side of the road three times in the middle of the bridge because to, you're dealing with this. That's right. So really, when you think about it with our service, we lead with companionship. So the companionship portion is what comes with, it, it's, the, it's what comes with our program. The ride itself is the linear need, obviously, but there's a deeper need here, and there's a friendship that gets built through the connections. When we have people driving for the patients, a lot of times uh, these folks are, they, they touch the drivers in such a way that you see friendships being cultivated. It's, it's fascinating to watch, and it's a beautiful thing. And listeners should realize yeah. that a cancer diagnosis and, I, and I, I want to put this in context. For a person of faith, there is a network, there's 
friends and there's family and there's church and God upon you and whom you rely. But at the same token, there is the underlying reality that this is one of the most terrifying experiences that any person goes through. It is a journey that is a long journey that ends always with a question mark. Because even as you can declare, as I can, I am cancer-free, there's always that postscript in the back of my mind very silently that says, today, period. And so when you add that to the challenges of keeping up with all of the appointments, as Sherry has suggested, and then just the utter nervousness, anxiety, anxiety, terror, you're coming back from an appointment, you are physically feeling miserable, you are mentally and emotionally a wreck, having somebody that can lend a little bit of not just transportation, not even just companionship, but a little sense of comfort, yes. a little sense of reassurance, somebody that can be there sitting next to you saying, I understand a little bit about what you're going through, or no, you don't need to be embarrassed. I'll happily pull over to the gas station because you can't wait, whatever the need might be. You are, you, you are so dead on with your descriptors for all of this because I, I think, I, for a matter of fact, I don't think I've ever sat with anybody who's been so eloquent and understands every aspect of, of what you go through as a cancer patient. It's, it's, it's on every realm. You know, that's why they call it mind, body, soul. You know, it's on every realm. And you do end up going through, you're at a very vulnerable time. So sometimes even the conversations, I'll have people mention after they've driven how they've connected with a, a, a client that we've had or with the driver because the conversations um, are very honest and appreciative, so appreciative for the fact that this person came in and helped because there are people out there that don't have a lot of people in their life. They exist and, and they're alone. And, you know, when, when you feel like you're becoming disposable or you're not, a, you know, a part of the uh, spoke of the wheel, at that point in your head you might think, you know, maybe it'd be better if I just went, right? Maybe it'd be better. Maybe for whatever, you know, there are people that need to feel like there is someone there who actually wants and cares about the end result of what's going on here, that they want to pull them through this. They want to offer hope, especially, you know, people that come in and they're survivors themselves. Those types of drivers really resonate to the clients because they'll offer that hope through the ride. And, you know, they're a symbol of hope. They're sitting there driving them. They've and, been through it. And, and I've heard it said that, that two of the most difficult times in the overall overarching experience of dealing with cancer, and that is the appointment to the doctor or to the chemotherapy appointment and the appointment back. Well, and the first time for anything. So I remember the first time, the first time for my first chemo, then I had to transition to a second chemo when I knew I was going to have a surgery, when I had my mastectomy. I had a double mastectomy, terrified. The first time for everything, you, it's the unknown. It's the fear of the unknown. Your mind plays you know, tricks on you sometimes. Okay, what's this going to be like? And sometimes you really... It really isn't easy. So, you know, at the end of the day, having somebody there who can support that is, is, a, is a gift. It really is a, a gift. And I have, a, a, I brought a couple of guests that can speak to um, both sides of, one is uh, Daisy, and, and Daisy Lai is our um, administrative director. She used to be a, a program coordinator. Actually, right now she wears two hats, and she knows all about the inner workings of what we do. And she's also been helping us with grants. So she's multi-talented. And then her husband, uh, William, is a part of the organization as well. And he is giving drives for uh, cancer patients just because he wants to. And he has his own story that he, he reasons why he cares so much about this. We'll get a chance to meet them both so. when we come back after a brief time out. If you've joined us a bit late in studio today with Sherry Higgs. Sherry is the founding CEO and executive director of Drivers for Survivors, Bay Area-based organization that has been in an incredible expansion mode of late. They began initially serving the Tri-Cities area of Newark, Fremont, Union City. They've now expanded north into San Leandro, San Lorenzo, Castro Valley, and Hayward 
We'll tell you more about that, too. Also tell you more about how you can get involved to support the organization and to volunteer your time. We'll take a brief time out of our own, back with more of our conversation as Lifeline continues. All right, 535. We're a bit late, so let's get caught up on traffic here. Got the latest for you with the KFAX Traffic Center. As we say good afternoon once again to Michael Bennett. Hey, Michael, how we doing? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. All right, welcome back to the conversation. Sherry Higgs is with us today in studio, founding CEO and executive director of Drivers for Survivors. By the way, you can get more information on the web at simply going to driversforsurvivors.org. That's driversforsurvivors.org. They've got a couple of fundraising events coming up that we'll tell you about a little bit later on in the program. But meanwhile, let's meet our other guest in studio, Daisy Lai, who is the um, we say administrative Well, she's a director. few things, yeah. <laughs> well, well, she wears multiple yeah. hats. I can yeah. relate to that, <laughs> Daisy. Yeah. Good to have you with us. How did you Thank first you. get involved with the organization? I started two years ago as an intern. So um, I was at my um, healthcare administration master program, and the requirement to graduate is to intern for 200 hours at any um, organization of your choice. And then um, my graduate advisor, Tony Fogarty, she's a really awesome professor. Uh, she introduced me to Drivers for Survivors. So then I started. And then the Sherry time, with a new burgeoning organization yeah. said, pick me, pick yeah. me. We need absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. And things after she entered the picture, things never were the same. She offered so many talents. Yeah. What, what, what captured your attention in terms of... I mean, you, you're, you're obviously seeing the front end of mm-hmm. what this organization is doing and the, and yeah. the backside. You yes. hear the stories. Yes. Uh, you deal with the clients all yes. the time. Yes. What was it about this organization in particular that said, boy, this is, this is really something special? The moment when you pick up the phone and then somebody just tell you, um, thank you. Thank you for, um, for such a – they think – for me, my job, I, th- I thought it was just a simple thing to calling volunteers, oh, hi, do you have time to uh, help this client tomorrow or the next day? Um, but over there on the client side, it has been so meaningful to them because we not only give them uh, somebody to drive them to their appointments, um, also somebody to listen to them while they're driving, mm-hmm. while they're spending time sitting with them, just be their companion. So it's very rewarding. And that sense of companionship, I mean, it works both ways in terms of not only you're providing a great blessing to the cancer patients <laughs> who need help getting from doctor's appointment yes. to doctor's appointment, chemotherapy appointments, things of that sort, but I've got to imagine that for the drivers, there's a tremendous sense of fulfillment in this when yes. you realize something as simple as this. And I remember as a kid, when I, when I first got my driver's license, suddenly the responsibility of taking my grandmother shopping every Saturday fell upon me. Uh, a duty that lasted about 10 years. And every Saturday, 10 a.m., that was my, my weekly appointment. And, yeah, part of the motivation was that I knew she was going to bake goodies for me and all that. So, you know, I got my reward. But there was also a tremendous sense of satisfaction that she and two elderly neighbors came along. So I would take the girls, as my father would call them. I would take the girls shopping. They were all in their 80s. The sense of satisfaction that I got on the backside because they were so appreciative of what for me was no big deal. Hop in the car, head up the block. You're not spending hardly any time. Gasoline was nothing. So it's, it's on the surface like no big deal to me, but yet it was such a big deal to them and the level of appreciation that they showed in turn gave me a tremendous blessing. Have you found the same thing with the volunteers? Yes, yes definitely, definitely. In fact, William, uh, my husband, so we just got married last year. Oh, and then, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> we have been, um, we, I, we, he has been involved with Drivers for Survivors so as a driver. Sometimes he comes to the office to help us with IT stuff, <laughs> computers, <laughs> and um, he has his own experience on why he drives. All right, so other than your wife saying, honey, I need your help. <laughs> <laughs> On a honey-do list. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Will you tell us a bit about what what was your motivation behind getting involved as a driver? I have three uh, family members who has experience with cancer, ah. so yeah, I've been through a lot too. And I see them every day. I see what happened. I see how the treatment works. So um, I I know what they're going through and how they feel. 
So a lot of times, I usually will advise the patients of uh, what ma- what can make them feel better. Wow. Um, you know, just throughout what what my experience um, of in a non clinical yeah. way. Yeah. 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 And you know that, that but that that's system. good because this is such a terribly personal disease and by that i mean i I mean i went through colon cancer so it doesn't get any more personal than that when the doctor says we're going to perform the exam now and you're saying you're doing what where Mm -hmm. um and so you're sometimes embarrassed by all of this it's a very humbling yeah yeah to say the least and yes I remember my my poor godmother. She went through her her first experience with cancer in the 1970s and had a mastectomy. She then had a reoccurrence and wound up having a double mastectomy in the early 1980s. And those were very difficult difficult, experiences because now you're talking about changing part of my, my identity. And so... People sometimes are, are, are hesitant to talk. They may not want to say, hey, I'm dealing with X or Y. But, William, because you've got three family members that have been down this road and you've seen some of the challenges that they've been through and, and some of the workarounds or solutions or things, you're able to offer not just a level of companionship, obviously providing a service of getting from point A to point B and back again, but maybe a little bit of non-clinical advice, as you say, that yes. can give people a better, a little, a little sense of, of um, deeper comfort. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I know because um, I see them, you know, treatments each week. Uh, I know how people will feel week two or week three. Some people might not feel anything during week one, and then I'll advise them what to do. Be prepared for week two because it's coming back to you. Right, so. Um, it gives them really uh, big comfort throughout the, let's uh, say, chemotherapy. Yeah. And I will say, you probably had the same experience too, Sherry. The doctors are very good in terms of giving you information, but they don't always tell you everything. Well, we we don't we're not we don't tell. He doesn't mean in the sense of in a clinical sense. No, no, I understand yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. we there's a line there we don't ever cross. Clearly, and, yeah. But but having some experience to William, what he spoke to, and to be able to say, you know, this will pass. You will feel, you know, will feel better. You know, it, it, a lot of times we even have to be careful in terms of of um, saying anything definitively. You know, I mean, but being there to offer hope and being there to be able to be an arm to, you know, have assist you as you're walking in if you're feeling a little uh, weak on your feet. We, we, we are very proud of the fact that we're able to be there at a time when people are vulnerable and they need us. And, and you're right in saying that not everybody's experience is the same. Right. And, and, and clearly, your organization is not a medical organization. I want to be very clear about exactly. that. that uh, William is not dispensing uh, medical advice here. Um, you do, the stethoscope looks nice on you. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but let me go to the point so that listeners understand the point that I am making. Somebody, for example, may go through the first chemotherapy experience, and because it is the first one, think, oh, that was no big deal. Wow, oh, this is easy. I won't need a ride next week. I'm going to drive myself. Yeah. <laughs> Not realizing the cumulative effect of the exactly. chemotherapy mm-hmm. and the exactly. fact that it takes a while for that chemical to work its way through the body, and your body initially doesn't know what's, what's coming at me here before it works up and decides what its reaction is going to be. And so... Your experience can allow you to say, you might be want to be prepared. You know, if you were planning, oh, I'm, now that I'm done with this, I'm going to go out and, you know, go for a good, healthy run around the block and then go play, you know, 18 holes of golf. Yeah. And you could say, you know, you might want to take it easy, take it easy a little bit, pace yourself a little bit here because, you know, you, you, you may find that it starts to hit you later on. That kind of insight that you might not always get from the a human, physician. The they forget connection. about it. The human, the human connection. connection, yeah. The human connection, and I know that there's a lot of that going on. People are helping each other through this experience. And uh, a lot of times, I'll tell you, we have a stack, and I mean a stack of thank you letters from people who have sent us notes. And then there's a, a reoccurring client that we have that tells us that she loves us. Uh, when she calls us, she'll say, I, I just love you. 
and she has uh, definitely endeared us. So, you know, it's a, it feels good to be a part of something that really is uh, so special. I mean, it feels so special because everybody wants to just see the other person through. And that's what it's all about. It's about people helping people and getting them through a traumatic time and making sure that they know emphatically that they are not alone. That's a very powerful message and very healing. People need to feel rallied with around. They need to know that there's, there's people out there who really do care about their well-being. And that is one of the most important messages of all in this organization. And then you have the rides, obviously, the linear need, getting them there. And with the expansion, we, we have growing needs, I will tell you, because uh, we've gone from three areas to nine it's a blessing, and having that uh, beginning July 1st, and here we are, we are almost at our fifth year. In December, we'll have hit our fifth year. And having that happen now seems timely. It's, it's really great because our infrastructure is where it needs to be. You know, uh, we're hiring another person who I'm extremely excited about uh, as of October 2nd. She's going to join our team, and she's got a lot of value to offer to the table. She's been in ministry, and uh, she also has been a nonprofit. So she understands the culture and the need. She's very, she was watching the marketing video and she got teary. And I said, you're not supposed to cry. This is a, this is a ha- happy, we're helping people. And she's like, but you know, just so special. So anyhow, she's going to be a great uh, addition. With the, with the expansion, there's, there is a lot on our mind in terms of wanting to make sure that we increase our driver database. I mean, there's just no doubt about it. There's well, more. and I'm thinking, and we'll talk more about this yeah. in depth after the break, but okay. I'm thinking of, of people eavesdropping on this conversation right now who find themselves in the afternoon, maybe you're retired, and you run here and there, and you take the grandkids maybe off to soccer practice or whatnot, but you've got some time on your hands. And wow, what, what a, a, a ministry of helps something like this could be. In a day and an age when we see not only cancer diagnosis on the increase, um, but but the expansion of the need, an organization like Drivers for Survivors should be not just regional to the East Bay, it should be a Bay Area model. And then, Sherry's going to pick up something and throw it at me, and then this no, model no, could then be superimposed on major metropolitan areas all over the country. So there's drivers for the survivors I'm Bay Area, it. Los Angeles, it. Chicago. Am we I can right? T- we can talk about I this. Right? I'm on it. We need to talk. I'm on it. All right. So if we have piqued your interest from either side, you are somebody who has some time that could be given that could make a major difference in someone's life. Uh, we're going to tell you how you can volunteer coming up in a moment. Maybe you're listening right now saying, Craig, I'm, I'm calling taxi cabs now to try to get to my appointments. It's getting expensive and it's embarrassing. And, and, and I had no idea an, ex- an organization like this existed. But where, where can I get some help? How can I contact them? We're going to give you all that information coming up right after a brief timeout. We're heading into uh, 5.50, so let's get the latest for you. From the KFAX Traffic Center, Michael Bennett. What's going on out there, Michael? And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Thank you, sir. We're back to the conversation. Sherry Higgs with us today in studio, founding CEO and executive director of Drivers for Survivors on the web at Drivers for Survivors, for is spelled out F-O-R, driversforsurvivors.org. That's driversforsurvivors.org. You can also call area code 510-579-0535. That's 579-0535. In terms of getting involved, boy, there's lots of ways that you can do that. Um, Sherry, I understand you have your second annual pancake breakfast coming up in early December, Saturday, December the 9th. Tell us more about that. That is right. It's at the Newark Community Center, and it's from 8 in the morning until noon. You can come by any time. There's going to be entertainment, Castro Valley Performing Arts. This is their second year. They did quite the show for us, and they're already publicizing this, so they're all over it. Um, We'll also have Santa, and I believe we're going to have some photo opportunities. I still have to solidify a few things, but I'm pretty sure that's going to happen. We have – last year we had both the police department – and we had the fire department helping with uh, flipping the pancakes. All of the conversations are in works again. Uh, so you're, you're going to be spoiled. It'll be a lot of fun. 
one of the things that uh, you could also do if you wanted to support is be a part of the sponsorship opportunities. These are uh, Santa Claus level is 2500 at the highest. And at the lowest, we've got Rudolph level at 250 and then there's some in between. And with those come with the uh, social media um, uh, opportunities. We'll make sure that you're, uh, if like say you're the presenting sponsor, you'll get your logo on our breakfast uh, tickets and you'll be on our promotional flyers and posters, so on and so forth. So if you want more information, you can always call 510-579-0535 or you can email us. Uh, at info at driversforsurvivors.org. There's several ways to get a hold of us, and we can, we'll can we'll, um, reach out to you immediately and give you all the information. I'm thinking so many people listening right now that are hearing about this concept for the first time, especially those that are retirees, folks that are maybe only working part-time, and say, well, gee, so i got to pick somebody up at home, drop them off over at, uh, take them over to the uh, doctor's office or to their chemo appointment and take them back again few hours a week gee i can do that easily and it's totally flexible and that's the thing it's a very modern system you don't you're not locked into anything you just do what you can when you can you're only obligated for the ride that you raise your hand to do that's it it's that simple for a matter of fact the thing that i'm trying to break the there's like a disconnect where people feel like they're going to get roped into more or some people feel that they have to wait until they retire to do this i mean retirement is ideal but you can do it as a, as a busy business person. You know, if, if, if you happen to have a day off and you just want to spend that one, one day doing something that's volunteer work, you could always give us a call and just give it a shot, you know. And I, I like the exposure of people that work for corporations because I wish more corporate uh, folks knew about us. I mean, having corporate partnerships would be ideal for this organization where an employer potentially allows their employee to give time to us once a week, you know, maybe some sort of rotation. I see that as being a very good uh, relationship, and it could help us tremendously. Just one corporation that said, hey, you know what? I really dig what they're doing. I want to help. That would be amazing. Gee, if there were only somebody big nearby in the IT sector in the uh, greater East Bay area that could do that. Hmm, wonder who that could be. <laughs> you know, but, you know, this, the, it, these are the types of partnerships. We're to, now that we're entering our five years, we're in a new evolution you know, I've been marketing this organization since I started it. And we're at a time where the baton needs to be passed on to community members. You know, we need to have more of more task-oriented things going out, more ideas, more concepts. And as the founder, I'm willing to hear a lot about ideas. And you really need people to come alongside, catch the vision. Yes, Realize the tremendous good that this organization it. is doing and how necessary this is that as we talk about your expansion initially from the tri-cities area now you're moving into um the the more northern section of the east bay again san leandro san lorenzo castro valley um so we're 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 uh, considered to be uh we're considered to be central and southern alameda northern i learned this because of the is uh, yeah northern is oakland okay so it's central and southern and, you know, there is the potential for this to actually go in the direction of chapters. I've already talked to a lawyer and have an understanding of what we need to do. We're still going to need somebody to come into our office and actually, um, um, what's the term? Um, we're going to need to have a notebook filled with all of our information documented very thoroughly. And I'm going to need a person, a technical writer is what I meant to say, to come in and help us do that piece of things that's so really the, of, that's the only missing piece we're ready we've trademarked our logo we're ready to actually start the process of having conversations about building chapters we get calls we've gotten a call from a guy who's in mississippi i've gotten a call from arizona i've gotten several calls from new york i got a call as far as israel believe it or not wow. yeah so we are we are people are hearing about us here and there but making the connections and finding people who want to help go through the work of building that first chapter and then you know the sky is the limit because the model is working we're close to I don't know if you know this. We're close to 12,000 rides now. We've only been in existence 
five years. Wow. In, in, we're still four years, technically. You know, five years December, that's when we hit our anniversary. Well, then the sky is really the limit, not only in terms of potential for growth, but the ongoing and, 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 and sadly, the ever-growing need, the reality because of the ever Because it's pandemic, not just epidemic. Precisely Cancer so. is not just epidemic. But, but let's expand, then, the vision of potential volunteerism, that it's not just drivers. While okay. uh, up front and initially, certainly, that, that's what the organization needs. That's number one. That's what it turns on. Yes. But... I bet there's people in the audience that know somebody who is a retired technical writer that could say, well, I can come in for a few hours and do that. If they came in and helped us build. I'm an ex-corporate lawyer. I can come in and and, and give you some hours pro bono. Or um, I'm an expert when it comes to social media marketing. I'm a fundraiser. You're killing me. It's exactly. You're, you're, you're on it. These are exactly the things I actually did a write up and uh, the procedure manual policies and procedures. That was the other word I was digging for earlier. So a technical writer who comes in and helps us with the policies and procedures so we can hand the chapter, I, you know, idea over to somebody with a ribbon on it. That's the ultimate goal. So um, I have a list that I just posted on our, our drivers for survivors, Facebook page, because we have one drivers for survivors. And it's uh, on the top of the list was volunteer companion drivers. Then we need community ambassadors. Ambassadors would be people who represent their area of one of the um, areas that we cover where they can actually maybe have a tie-in with the Chamber of Commerce or Rotaries or uh, you just people who are um, able to represent and also help with that volunteer tree. We would still be in the picture, but they could manage some of it as much as they want. Uh, if they can't do too much, that's okay, too. They could still be just an ambassador. Grant writers, silent and live auction item acquirers. Uh, we just had uh, one of the, the person who was doing this for us uh, had some unfortunate circumstances, so we're down uh, a person to do that. Social media marketing, the, it's becoming enormous. It's a job in itself. Um, I can't manage it. The office can't manage it alone anymore. Public relations marketer, we want to change a little bit of how we're getting our messaging across about what it takes to be a driver and how easy it is. I think that uh, a public relation marketer could m- help us hit that nail on the head even even better. Uh, short-term and long-term administrative work, we have, we're going paperless. We have needs where we're trying to scan a lot of paperwork and interior, this is funny, but an interior designer organizer for business office. So we have in a room, we just expanded slightly there at 300 square feet. We were all in 400 square feet. You have no idea. TV trays, desks. It was up until July 1st, we just got 300 uh, more square feet. And what we need is to hang all of our pictures. And we're looking at all this and we're thinking, boy, it sure would be nice if we had somebody who had a business interior design eye to come in and do that. Um, we've got event marketing photographer, event marketing videographer, event planners, because we need to have more events now. An errand assistant, somebody who can just go check the mail for us. Uh, interns, sometimes we get a lot and sometimes there are dry spells. Uh, someone locally in the Tri-City area probably would enjoy it the most. An HR specialist, uh, someone who can deal with maintenance. We have a cabinet sometimes that needs to be put together. There's different things. IT guy, more on the technical side. And then, as you mentioned, there's folks that have all kinds of skills we're not thinking of. We now need to become, an, uh, in order for this to continue being successful and to fly higher than it is, it will take more people's involvement. Absolutely. It cannot run anymore now that all this has happened with such a small tribe. We need more people that are like-minded, that come step in and understand and value and really, you know, take a gamble on us. Although we've, we've proven our numbers, we've proven ourselves. But there is even more beautiful things that we can do. We have a black and white ball coming up. Um, it's um, our fourth annual. Now, this has always been incredibly successful. It's at Castlewood Country Club. Now, for that, the sponsorship opportunities are higher. You know, it starts at 10000 and the lowest is 1500 And I'm not going to get into all this with you on the air, but somebody can call and call that number and or email, and we can get back with you on that. It sounds like at the core, yes. uh, in addition to obviously continuing to serve a growing list of clients, you need more Williams out there. Yes. You need more people like William who can be an ambassador, who has seen family or friends go through the cancer experience, knows what is involved, can say, wow, here is a real opportunity to be a life changer, to do something sig- that, that small and yet significant for the person that you're doing the, the driving for. May I say something personal? I want this to outgrow me. I want people around that are smarter than me. I can't be, you know, I can't do everything. I mean, who can, right? So I'm looking for talent, and I'm looking for people 
to, to recognize what they can do in terms of contributions, and that may come from a conversation. But at the, at the end of the day, if this organization outgrows me, I have reached my dream. I have, I have done my job. My job doing this, and at first it was a little misunderstood. What is this girl doing? I've, we've never heard of her, right? And she's doing this and incessantly talking about this vision. It's been, I've, I've been pretty, um, uh, it's been going on for seven years nonstop. So some people are, oh, there she go, there goes, here comes drivers for survivors. But that has to actually stop. You know, now it's time for it to become something that everybody engages in. We even started a campaign now where we're asking the drivers or anyone who's given to us to do a 45-second vignette and send it to us from their cell phones on why they offered to do what they're doing, usually a driver, and if they have a story behind what motivated them to do this and how it feels to do what they've done and why they chose us. Aside from what we all recognize, probably a little frog in the throat there, aside from what we all recognize as the the sort of um, 575-pound elephant in the room, and that is the the increased awareness and, sadly, diagnosis of cancer. I'm part of that club, as you know. Um, i got to tell you, Sherry, I think the, the potential of this thing absolutely exploding beyond your wildest dreams is very much there, and i tell you the reason my why. My soul, if that does happen, my soul will be content. L- let me tell you the reason why. I have worked with hundreds of nonprofit organizations down through the years, um, local, regional, national, international, you name it, raise a lot of money for them in the process. Rare is the founder who says, I can't wait for this to outgrow me, or I recognize... I can provide the vision, but at some point, this is going to get and must get bigger than me for it to do and really fulfill the vision and dream that I have for this organization in recognition of helping all of the people out there that sadly have had cancer show up in their lives and to want to be there to provide a sense of, of comfort. You're not going to cure them of cancer. Um, you're, you're, you're simply going to make a really bad, horrible situation a little less bad, a little bit less horrible day by day for a person who's dealing with cancer. And, you know, in life, I think if, if we can succeed at doing that, we, we pass this way only once. And along the way, if we can do all that we can to touch as many lives as we can so that at the end of the day, we can, with all honestly, ask the question, have I made a difference? And if the answer comes back from the corner of the room, yes, then we've done our job, and I believe ultimately done something to, to honor God. So I, I, I think this thing is going to really explode. I appreciate that. It took, it, you know, I wasn't like that over, you know, in the beginning. I was, I was watching course, it very closely. Like, this is I your was, baby. I was watching it very baby. closely, uh-huh. and a lot of people will say that. You know, mm-hmm. she watched it very close. And, but it's a new day, and, you know, the, I've got all the foundation, the right people at the helm at the foundation now, so I'm starting to feel a little bit more easy every about mother, it. Every mother does this at it, the beginning. It, yeah, but it took me. It took and then me. eventually says, okay, off to school, off to college, off to university, and then when, when, when you're saying that's my son who's taking the oath of office to be president of the United States, you know you're done right. It took me six years to be able to say what I'm saying today. I mean, I always knew I wanted it to outgrow me, but for me to even stand with even more convictions and the letting go process, I'm there. Uh, I mean, I, I hope to still have some level of engagement always because I care. But at this, at you know, at a certain point, you gotta you gotta call uncle and be like, okay, we let's get some really ta- some real talent here. Well, and I believe that there's a lot of real talent listening right now, or a lot of people that know a lot of real talent that can be networkers and connectors. So whether you're calling to simply say, wow, I love the idea. I got a few hours a week. I live in Hayward. I wouldn't mind driving at all. Where do I sign up? To somebody that says, I've got some organizational skills, I have been on Wall Street, I know how to run a a major corporation, I'd love to come and offer some of my skills at the foundational level to help give this the legs and the momentum that it needs to grow to the area or to the level, rather, that the need already exists. Here's the irony. We're not saying, well, it's going to grow as the need grows. The need is explosive, and it is bigger than any of us, sadly, can imagine or comprehend. What we're talking about is being able to grow the answer to the need. There's the challenge. 
prior to the expansion, we had serviced 160 different medical providers. Wow. Yeah. Now this now we've got six more areas. So and right now our driver uh, is our driver database is a little low. I'm gonna admit it. We but it's 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 not too bad. But it's at 209. Quite frankly, if you were to ask my opinion, I think right now we should be to be comfortable at about six to seven hundred drivers because it's only ride every one ride every now and again. So they're not committing to. Yeah, it's just like a, it's, it's yeah. not a forty-hour no, a week. No, it's, so I'm no. I'm saying I'm the 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 challenge here is to take us from two hundred nine to about seven hundred. So people are doing this with ease right now. We have our superstar drivers too. That is not the model. People can still be a superstar driver if they want to be. Okay, but I don't like pressuring people. Is he on that list? I'm just asking here. William's been a great backup yeah. for okay. sure. Okay. Yeah, he does emergency <laughs> rides. I, was, I would suspect that would be the yeah, case. Yeah, no, he has been. And Daisy, you know, and, and, and anyhow, I've said my piece. But I'm, I'm incredibly honest and transparent. I'll, I'll talk about the strengths and I'll talk about the weaknesses because how else do you get people to understand what you need if you don't speak to it? So, and there's also uh, services we need, printing services. That gets expensive. And then we need a, a cabinet, like a really super deep cabinet that we can put some of our uh, banker boxes in with old records that needs to lock. And uh, a paper cutter that we don't actually have to arm wrestle. Uh, like a, uh, a mid-size industrial uh, paper cutter. We need a folding table that seats about 8 to 12 people because now we have a room and I'm trying to make it into a a nice lunchroom for everybody. And, and, and I'm proud of where we are considering our, our time, but I, I would like, I'm very much into making employees comfortable. And I even wanted to have a little resting space. They laugh at me, but have like a screen where people can just take a little shut eye if they absolutely need to. But I get migraines, so of course I think like that. But everybody, the cool thing is I love our culture. Everybody works together. Once people start getting involved with us, they fall in love with us. They really do. It's just getting them to understand that it's pure, that it's the real deal, that, you know, yes, I've marketed this to death, but I'm not looking at it for myself. Everything I've ever done hasn't been for me. It's been for what I'm trying to do. And that's hard when you're a founder and you're doing marketing because you get misunderstood sometimes. You're wearing a lot of hats. Exactly right. Understandably so. But as I said before, what you need are more ambassadors that that have a sense of the vision and will get out and share the story. And if you've been touched by what you've heard shared today uh, by William and Daisy and by Sherry and say, you know what? Wow. An opportunity to get into the ground floor of a ministry organization and really impact lives in a very critical tangible way and what better way uh to show love and compassion than through something as simple as providing rides for cancer patients that's what this is all about again it's not saying hey you're going to work and do this thing full-time once you've retired no you 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 contribute as many rides or hours as you feel you can handle and if that's hey you get me three hours a day every day to you get me for one ride once a month and that's it uh, there's room for you on that list. And I really want to uh, put out this challenge to people who are community leaders, people who ha- lead in their field or lead through government or lead through politics. Or go- I-, I challenge the leaders to do just one <clears throat> ride. Just give one ride. Give us a chance. Give one ride. See what we're about because then you can speak to it. And that's that's a very – I mean, obviously, we want all of you to be drivers, but that's the, the thing is really – going in and checking us out firsthand because if you get if we get in front of each other and i can actually talk to you face to face and not have this microphone in between us i think we could actually get something done um our good uh, mutual friend um, dennis wolf uh, is the one that initially connected us and uh, listeners know that listen to this program for a long time know that dennis was a, a feature on this program for many many years going back to uh, probably the the Early 1900, even the late Wonderful 1980s, man. and an incredible man. And uh, so he, he was an ambassador on behalf of Drivers for Survivors. And if you have really had your heart touched by what you've heard here today, you too can become a volunteer or an ambassador, whether it's volunteering your time to drive or providing some other resource or skill set. Um, as you've heard at this sort of embryonic stage, uh, beginning to blossom into the next level of this organization, and you would like to get in and, and really contribute to help take it to the next level, here's what you do. You go to the phone and call area code 510 
1-800-579-0535. Even if you call it right now and leave a message and say, hey, I just heard you on Craig's show, and I'd like to volunteer this resource this time. I've got a background in this, a connection with that, whatever it might be. Exactly. Leave your name, and they'll give you a call back. 510-579-0535. Once again, that's 510-579-0535. Or on the web at driversforsurvivors.org. That's driversforsurvivors.org. Sherry, thanks so much for coming in and sharing again. Thank you for, for having us. You really. bet. An honor. And good to meet you, Daisy Thank and William. You. Appreciate you coming in as well. All the emotion. My face is flushed. <laughs> I think that's also the lack of air conditioning, too. No, no, no. <laughs> we'll take a time out get you updated on some traffic right now. Back over at the KFAX Traffic Center, an update with Michael Bennett. Hey, Michael. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.